This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. Hope Lives Friday side notes. Uh, On Fridays, we're going to uh, delve into some side notes. And what are side notes? They may be historical issues that I want to deal with that give you a biblical perspective. It might be something economic, might be something from the Bible, might be some symbolism from the Bible, or it might even just be some ideas, philosophical, maybe even scientific that interest me and that I think the Bible either speaks to. They shed light on scripture and allow you to understand and see scripture in uh, maybe a new, a different, a more in-depth way than you saw it before. So uh, Friday Side Notes is a dealer's choice type situation for me in that I am going to just give you information that is important. Some Fridays, I just want to say what I think. I just want to speak from the heart. And uh, sometimes I want to take passages or verses and just teach you from them. And this Friday is one of those Fridays. I want to read to you the full context of Isaiah chapter five. It is a story of God speaking to his people or to a nation that he planted is the best way to describe it in its context. And I think that it is powerful. It is, it's a lot of verses, it's 30 verses, but I want to just go through it. I want to read it, add some commentary to it and allow you to take from it what you will and see God from uh, God's perspective of how he makes nations. Jesus uses this very same analogy. In fact, it is exactly the same analogy in a different context in Mark chapter 12, when he gives them the parable of the vineyard. And that is when he first announces and speaks at the temple, when he is ridden in triumph and takes over the temple, he uses this analogy, not the exact verses, but the idea to explain what is going on then as God spoke to Isaiah about the same nation a millennia before. And so in verse five, it says, now let me sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved regarding his vineyard. And uh, wow, what a way to start it out, meaning that God loves us and God has great love for us. But notice that love is a character trait. It's not a feeling. That love is literally uh, the heart of who God is. He says, my well-beloved has a vineyard. And the writer here, uh, Isaiah, is talking about God. And and, And he has a vineyard. He says, and on a very fruitful hill, meaning God placed it right in the right spot at the right time and at the right season. And many would say the nation that we live in could be placed into that spot also that could be used as this analogy. He dug it up and cleared it out of stones, meaning that he made it so that it could be planted. I live in a place where 
if you dig the ground up there, are a lot of large rocks. It's not it's not like the plains of Iowa where there's a rich black soil that uh, just grows really good. I'm not on the southern plains of Alabama. I'm up in the foothills. And in the foothills, there's just a lot of rocks, a lot of red dirt and a lot of rocks. And, and rocks, they keep you from really actually growing things that, that crops that are really good. It, it's difficult. And notice God removed all the th difficulties, all the things that would cause problems in this nation. And he said he planted it with the choicest vine, meaning the very best. He, he planted it from his own self. He built a tower in its midst. And if you want to go into this, you can see my Bible study that I did, not the Bible study, but my sermon that uh, I preached a few months ago in, in the month of January uh, of 2022 on Facebook. He says, and also made a wine press in it. And uh, notice there's the building of a vineyard. There's the pre preparation for protection. There is a place for the producing of the very, very best from God. And he said, so he expected to bring it forth good grapes, but it brought forth wild grapes. And notice that's going to be the dichotomy that's used a lot in this passage. There's good and then there's wild or grapes that do not come from the good. And remember, you have God and then you have not God. You have the things that are of him and then everything that else that is not of him that does exist because of his very nature, who he is, in order to glorify that nature, there are going to be things that are not him so that you can see the difference, recognize the difference, and then worship that which is good. He says, and now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge please between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done to my vineyard? Meaning, what more could I have done for you that I have not done in it? Meaning, I've done everything. God has given us his very best. When the, Why then, when I expect to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? He's saying, why, why are you, rather than producing the good that I have made in you, why have you brought forth your own purposes and your own reasons? And now please let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. Notice God saying, because you have chosen the not me, you've chosen sin. You've chosen the not good. You've chosen what in the Old Testament would have been the word raw or evil because you've cho chosen evil, which is not God. You have God and then you have evil, which is not God. He says, because you've chosen that, I'm going to tell you what I'll do. He says, I'm going to take away its hedge and it shall be burned, meaning I'm going to take away the hedge of protection that I have for you. And I'm going to break down its wall so that it'll be trampled down, meaning I'm going to, I'm going to make it such that other nations are going to trample it and going to treat it as if it has no power. He says, I'll lay it waste. It shall not be pruned or dug, but there shall come up briars and thorns. Notice that rather than the good vine, rather than the fruits of God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, God's power. Now what's going to rise up, what's going to grow in the vineyard is briars and thorns. That is the definition of evil. Those things that you step upon and they uh, burn as they enter your body because those thorns, they tear and they rip apart. They they are the things that are, are the ultimate evil. If you've ever been walking in a field and ever had a 
had a thorn or a thistle or especially a briar wrap around your leg and then you take that step and pull and it just rips your skin, you know what he's talking about. I will also command the clouds that they rain, that they rain no more on it. Notice God saying, I'm going to take away even my common grace from the area. I'm going to remove the ability for there to be any produce, produ production of good. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judah are his pleasant plant. He looked for justice. Notice he's going to remove the godly righteous, and he's going to put in place the unrighteous. He looked for justice, but behold, oppression. And notice he, he's saying, I, I look for justice. We're not talking about the justice of our time. We're not talking about uh, quote unquote social justice. We're talking about God's justice. We're not talking about, we're not talking about uh, how the devil twists things. We're talking about the way God made things from his word for righteousness, but behold, I, a cry for help. Woe to those who join house to house that they add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. If that's not a ver verse against collectivism, I don't know what he is. Uh, he says, woe to those who join house to house. They add field to field till there is no place where they may dwell alone in the midst of the land. And that's why people do uh, are drawn toward collectivism because you do not have to stand alone and deal with God on your own. You can do as you want in a group and find comfort in that group. And that's what's going on. In my hearing, the Lord of hosts said, truly many houses shall be desolate, great and beautiful ones without inhabitant, meaning he's going to tear down the great and the mighty who he built up because of their righteousness. And now they're not righteous. For 10 acres of vineyard shall, shall uh, yield one bath and a homer of seed shall yield one ephah. What does that mean? What that means is you're going to sow a great deal and you're going to, it's going to return almost nothing. And by the way, that, that understanding of economics, how you can sow a lot and get a little, if you understand economic systems, which systems cause that to happen. And so he says, woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink who continue until night till wine inflames them, that harp and the string, the tambourine and the flute and wine are in their feast, but they do not regard the work of the Lord. No, consider the operations of his hands. And if you don't think that's talking about the party culture and just have fun and just go out and enjoy life and don't have any purpose or meaning for your life, if you don't think those verses are talking about that, well, you're just not reading the word of God. What God's saying is the party culture, the me culture, the desire to just feed your own physical desires and your own your own fun and that life is about you, you. If you don't realize that 11 and 12 are talking about that, the spirit of God's not revealing his word to you. Therefore, my people have gone into captivity because they have no knowledge. Notice they've gone into captivity. They've become enslaved to sin because they have no knowledge. And what, what knowledge is he talking about? The knowledge of God, wisdom from God. Their honorable men are famished and their multitudes dry up with thirst. Notice that's a spiritual uh, dryness. That is a spiritual famine. That's a, that is a spiritual less and least and nothingness. Therefore, Sheol has enlarged itself, meaning hell itself has made it 
has made itself larger and opened its mouth beyond measure, their glory and their multitude and their pomp. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. Notice their own glory, their own multitude, and their own flamboyance. And he who is jubilant shall descend into it. People shall be brought down. Each man shall be humbled. And the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. Notice God's going to say, I'm going I'm to humble that. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment. And God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Notice God's going to either be glorified for his grace and mercy, or he's going to be glorified for his judgment and for his truth. Then the lamb shall feed in their pastures and in the wasted places of the fat ones, strangers shall eat. Now he goes into um, several verses of woe, meaning, well, meaning that you should not do these things. These are things that are causing death, causing famine, causing destruction. Woe to those who draw iniquity with cords of vanity, meaning that you bundle up iniquity with your own vain desires and sin as if with a cart rope. They say, let him make speed and hasten his work that he may see it and let the counsel of the Holy One of Israel draw near and come that we may know it. Now, what he's saying is they give this false idea that they have some righteousness or some holiness of their own, but their holiness and righteousness do not come from God. And the reason we know that is because they hasten to act like what they are saying comes from God. And in fact, sometimes they clothe it in God, in, in God's word, in God's revelation, in God's truth, in, in, in the ways of God. And that's why verse 20 exists. And it's the most well-known verse in this passage. It says, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. And I think those verses speak for themselves. They say, woe to who he who calls what God says is good evil and what God says is evil good. The only way to know that is to know to God's word. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. Notice, woe to those who who are intoxicated, not only by uh, physical wine, but remember this is a picture of the good wine being God's will and God's way, God's grace, God's power, God's mercy, and the bad wine being their own will and their own way, their own thoughts and their own ways of doing things. Remember, God made a good vineyard, and then they have made their own vineyard. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing their own intoxicating drink who justify the wicked for a bribe and take, take away justice from righteous man. Therefore, as the, vi as the fire devours the stubble and the flame consumes the chaff, so their root will be as rottenness and their blossom will ascend like dust because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord is aroused against his people. He has stretched out his hand against them and stricken them, and the hills tremble. Their carcasses were as refuge in the midst of the streets. 
for all his anger is turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. He will lift up a banner to the nations from afar. Notice he's calling the nations around them out and he will whistle to them from the ends of the earth. Notice God's calling out the dogs of the world. Surely they will come with speedy speed swiftly. No one will be weary or stumble among them. No one will slumber or sleep, nor will the belt of their loins be loosened, nor will the strap of their hands be broken. Whose arrows are sharp and all their bows are bent, their horses' hooves will seem like flint and their wheels like whirlwind. Their roar will be like a lion. And they will roar like young lions. Yes, they will roar and lay hold of their prey, and their prey is the nation. They will carry it away safely, and no one will save them or deliver them. In that day, they will roar against them like roaring of the sea. And if one looks to the land, behold, darkness and sorrow, and the light is darkened by the clouds. Those are the words of God to a nation that was planted by him in righteousness and truth and holiness, who has chosen its own way of collectivism, its own way of what is right and wrong, who says to God, I say what truth is, and I have my own truth, not yours, who choose to tell people what clearly and logically is not an act offended when they're told that's a lie, act offended, and as if you're wrong for saying what is evil and what is good, what has always been evil and what is good. And what does God say to those who take those steps to the nations who choose that? Well, he says he whistles to other nations, not godly nations. He whistles to other nations to come devour them and destroy them because he will have his vineyard or no one will. And today, those are my thoughts. Consider them. Think about it. Read chapter 5 of Isaiah. See what God would say to your heart. May God bless you as you read his word. May he keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, meaning may he show you his will. And may he give you true joy that comes from him and peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.